Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Hey team, in this week's episodes, we're going to be diving into energy drinks. Well, not literally, that would be sticky. And yeah, that amount of caffeine would probably be lethal, but... Anyway, our topic for the week is energy drinks, how they affect us, and as I mentioned, that means we're also going to be talking a lot about caffeine and its effects on our systems. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash energy drinks. All right, keep on listening to find out why it feels like your heart is going to explode after that fourth Red Bull. Energy drinks have become quite the ubiquitous beverage in our modern culture, although the first energy drinks were introduced far earlier. It's hard to pinpoint an exact start to the popularity. There was Lucozade Energy, originally named Glucozade, that first came out as an energy drink for hospital patients. In the 1960s, Japan had the launch of its Lipovitin brand, and in the 80s we saw an introduction to things like Jolt Cola and Red Bull. And now there are entire shelves in the grocery store devoted to these products. We are seeing bigger and bigger cans with multiple servings to help get around laws that limit the amount of caffeine we can have per serving. Conversely, we also have things like energy shots that we see with products like 5-Hour Energy that have a lot of caffeine in just a small amount of liquid. So what's in one of these energy drinks? Well, it varies a lot from brand to brand, but ingredients can include guarana, sugar, taurine, ginseng, vitamin B, mate, creatine, and even in some cases, nicotine. But most of all, they contain caffeine. In fact, some studies have found that all those other ingredients do little to boost the claim of increased energy and cognition. It usually all comes down to the caffeine. So while I have done an entire other episode on caffeine, and you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash caffeine, we're going to do a quick overview of what's going on with this substance here. So we all know that caffeine is a stimulant and that people use it to help wake them up. What's interesting is the way in which this works. What caffeine is able to do is bind to the adenosine receptors in our brain, preventing adenosine from binding to them. And what adenosine does is it is building up a sleep debt for us. This means that while caffeine is in our system, we're preventing ourselves from the effects of that buildup of adenosine. Adenosine is an inhibitory neurotransmitter in our brains. It acts as a central nervous system depressant and inhibits wakefulness. As the day goes on, the levels of adenosine in our brain increase, and with that, so does our level of sleepiness. What this does is create sleep pressure, which means the longer we're awake, the more adenosine we produce, and the more sleep pressure we experience, and hence the sleepier we get. Essentially, what caffeine is doing is preventing us from feeling sleepier, although it also does have stimulant effects and increases our dopamine levels. And an important note about caffeine binding to those adenosine receptors is that the adenosine is still building while it doesn't have anything to bind to. This means that when the effects of caffeine wear off, we tend to have a crash as the adenosine suddenly has receptors it can bind to, and so we can have larger waves of sleepiness all at once after the caffeine has worn off. Now, back to energy drinks. It's important to consider the amount of caffeine in some of these products. An 8-ounce cup of coffee ranges from about 70 to 140 milligrams of caffeine. In the 8.46-ounce can of Red Bull, 
has about 80 milligrams, and then in the 2-ounce 5-hour energy shot, contains about 200 milligrams. And then things like Rockstar, Monster, NOS, and those large 16-ounce cans, you have anywhere from 160 milligrams to 250 milligrams. And I gotta say, while I was looking up these numbers, I was kind of surprised by the actual number of energy drinks and varieties out there. Like, I know I see them at the store and there's a ton of variety, but when I was looking at the numbers, it was like, do I look at the numbers for Rockstar Burner or Rockstar Juice or the Rockstar Zero Carb or the Rockstar 2X Energy? The list goes on, and there are plenty of other brands out there as well with tons of varieties. And I also want to note that while I do compare this to a regular cup of coffee, it's important to understand there's a lot of leeway there as well. A shot of espresso has 63 milligrams of caffeine in it, but people often put multiples of those into a single drink. Or you could have something like Death Wish Coffee, which contains, well, dang, 660 milligrams of caffeine per serving. That's a lot. The FDA lists 400 milligrams a day to be within the safe range. So that's a bit out there. And just one final note in this first part here is that energy drink manufacturers also only have to report the added caffeine to their product, which is why so many contain guarana, which is a natural source of caffeine and so isn't always included in that total caffeine amount you'll find in a beverage. One of the big flags when reading about certain topics is that you'll often see certain statistics being mentioned over and over again, especially for stats that may seem like they might be slightly out of date. For energy drinks, the stat that I saw come up like this was that between 2007 and 2011, the number of energy drink-related visits to emergency departments doubled, going from around 10,000 to 20,000. And that does sound like a big, scary increase. Now, there are a few things that raised some flags about this data for me. Firstly, it's from a decade ago, so it seemed weird to be the most cited thing I found. You'd think there'd be more recent data that said, hey, now it's going up even more, but did not find statistics like that. But it does make sense to see this data because it looks very compelling. But it also felt like it lacked a lot of context. If we look at 2011, we see this peak in ER visits, but at least one factor is the peak in popularity of certain ways to drink energy drinks at that time and with things like the original Four loco still being legal. Yeah, the good old blackout in a can counted as an energy drink since it contained 500 milligrams of caffeine, which is also quite high. But it was also 12% alcohol, making the 23-ounce drink equivalent to about 7 shots of vodka and 5 Red Bulls. That sounds like you'd be having quite the night. So, now, additionally, it's important to put into perspective what 20,000 ER visits even means. So there are about 1 million drug-related hospital visits every year meaning that energy drink visits only represented 2% of these visits. Yeah, and 2% isn't anything to sneeze at, but it does give some more perspective that these numbers are not catastrophic. And this isn't to write off any of the dangers from energy drinks. Four locos certainly did not represent all of those trips to the emergency room. Overall, the main culprit in energy drinks comes from caffeine. So while the FDA lists 400 milligrams of caffeine safe for consumption, that is for a 24-hour period. And caffeine intoxication, where you're starting to see some of these negative effects from caffeine, can happen with a dose as little as 200 milligrams of caffeine. And the signs of caffeine intoxication can include restlessness, nervousness, excitement, insomnia, flushed face, gastrointestinal disturbances, muscle twitching, rambling flow of thought and speech, and then 
rapid heartbeat, or cardiorrhythmia. Since many energy drinks have near or more than 200 milligrams of caffeine, it is clear that this can easily become an issue if you're having multiple energy drinks. I do want to note that caffeine tolerance is also going to vary quite a bit from person to person. And then with this, we also need to think about how caffeine leaves our body. Caffeine has a half-life about three to seven hours, and the half-life is just the amount of time it takes for half of the caffeine to leave our system. So if we play this out, we can see ourselves building up quite a lot of caffeine in our bodies over the course of a day. If at, say, 9 a.m. I have a fancy coffee drink with two shots of espresso in it, that's about 120 milligrams. Then at noon, I decide to have a monster energy drink at lunch that's 160. But if we say I have a prettily tolerant system, I'll still have 60 from my morning coffee, so about 220 total in my system. If I then decide to have another drink later in the afternoon, I'm probably going to hit somewhere over 300 milligrams and go well into the territory of caffeine intoxication. Now, this isn't to say that this is all bad and awful, but it is to say that we do have to try and monitor how much caffeine we're taking in in any given day because it is easy for it to really build up quickly. Okay, but why do we care about this in relation to ADHD? Anecdotally, I have known a lot of people with ADHD who find caffeine an incredibly handy crutch that they use to help manage their symptoms. Caffeine is absolutely a stimulant, and while it isn't going to have the same force as a prescription stimulant, many people do report that they find caffeine helps reduce their symptoms in some ways. Now, I do want to be extra clear here that caffeine is not a replacement for actual ADHD medication, and that there have been recent studies that have really questioned how well caffeine is at doing anything to mitigate our symptoms beyond placebo effect. Nonetheless, it is something that a lot of people turn to. I also want to try and warn against using caffeine as a potential aid for ADHD simply because of how quickly we develop a tolerance to caffeine. What was once an easy pick-me-up can quickly become our baseline, and it's how people can end up drinking pots of coffee a day, or several energy drinks. And despite the tolerance we build to caffeine's main effects, we're still going to be feeling a lot of those side effects, like the increased heart rate or flushing to our face. And then this is also important to consider in relation to our tendency towards impulsivity. When I have easy access to energy drinks, I am more likely to abuse them. I know this from experience. I used to buy Red Bull by the case at Costco. And just having that kind of access made it far more likely that I was going to have an energy drink in the afternoon, and also that I was going to be tempted to add a second one onto that. And that had significant effects on my sleep. While many people with ADHD claim that the stimulating effects of caffeine can help them calm down and then get to sleep, it is still going to have effects on the quality of your sleep. It will affect the amount of deep sleep that we're able to get, and it's going to make it harder to wake up in the morning since our sleep isn't as restful. The question is then, what constitutes healthy use of energy drinks? And as I've tried to emphasize in this episode, it isn't just energy drinks themselves, but anything with a high amount of caffeine that we're intaking. A triple espresso is going to be roughly the same as a can of Star, just with a bit less sugar. And that does tend to be the biggest issue with these energy drinks, and that's the ease and speed in which you can drink them. Unfortunately for my dopamine-deficient brain, I can drink one of these, and while I'm feeling the effects of caffeine, I can still have the desire to down another can, because I just want more. And it's not necessarily that I want more caffeine, it's just that it's so easy for me to get it, and my brain says, let's have some more. Overall, in my opinion, 
we shouldn't be reaching for energy drinks every day, and we especially shouldn't be consuming them in the afternoon. I know that can feel incredibly limiting, and we might not want to hear that, and I do understand. As I mentioned, I absolutely used to be someone who reached for a Red Bull every afternoon to help cure that afternoon lull. For me, I now like to try and think about ways for managing my ADHD beyond reaching for that next pick-me-up. And while that isn't always going to be easy, I do find it to be a lot more rewarding and more manageable in the long run. And I certainly also don't want to be demonizing these drinks. It's more about our ability to moderate them and understanding how they are going to be affecting you. So whether or not you choose to imbibe, what matters is making sure that you're making educated decisions and that they're your decisions, not just because they're there and they're easy. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, the main concern with energy drinks is how quickly they can provide a high amount of caffeine into your system. Typically, energy drinks have around 160 to 250 milligrams of caffeine, compared to about half that for an 8-ounce cup of coffee. Two, the concern with large amounts of caffeine is its 3-7 to seven hour half-life, which means that if we're having multiple energy drinks in a day, we can build up quite a lot in our system, and that can have a lot of other side effects. 3. With ADHD, it can be easy to view caffeine as a way for us to help manage our ADHD. But with how quickly we develop a tolerance to caffeine, that can easily get out of hand. That's it. Thanks for listening. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd, and I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I loved this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2, 5, 10, 25, or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. What do you call a sad cup of coffee? A depresso.